Swing and a line drive, left field, Benintendi coming on, dives, and did he make the catch? He did! He got it! Here we go. It's time to party. Right here. 3-2. High drive! He crushed it! It's a grand slam! Swing and a miss, thankfully it's over! The Red Sox have won the world championship! Welcome to Benny and the Bets podcast. Can you believe it? Here's your host, Terry Cushman. For baseball fans across Red Sox Nation, MLB fans from around the league, and the Yankees fans who can't get enough of hating us, welcome to another episode of the Benny and the Bets podcast covering the Boston Red Sox. We are available on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and literally every single platform imaginable. We are downloaded in over 30 countries from across the planet each week, according to PodTrack.com. The Red Sox just wrapped up a four-game set against the Tampa Bay Rays, dropping all four games in the series, including today's where the Tampa Bay Rays put up two touchdowns and a field goal compared to the two field goals and a safety by the Red Sox. They are now the worst team in the American League with a record of six wins, 13 losses. They are six and a half games back from the division-leading New York Yankees. News from Fenway, infielder Christian Arroyo has been claimed off waivers by the Red Sox from the Cleveland Indians organization. He has since been added to the uh, 40-man roster and I think called up to the big club. We are still waiting for the corresponding move. Andrew Benintendi has been placed on the 10-day disabled list uh, due to going ass over tea kettle on the base pass Tuesday night. He's not expected to be on the DL uh, beyond the 10-day mark. News from around the league, Mets super utility man Jeff McNeil was carted off the field today following a nasty collision with the outfield wall. X-rays, however, were negative. MLB is considering a bubble format for its October playoffs. Southern California is a possible target area. The St. Louis Cardinals will resume their season on Saturday despite another positive test today. Their uh, COVID-plagued club has still only played five games. Once again, I am Terry Cushman coming to you from Lewiston, Maine. And I am joined tonight from Saugus, Massachusetts, Al Nahigian. Al, how are you? It'd be better, but it is what it is at this point. Yeah, is what it is. And uh, there's a number of uh, topics we're going to be discussing as a, a result of this uh, Ray's series tonight, uh, a number of trade scenarios anyway, coming up in a later segment. Also joining us tonight from the mile-high city of Denver by way of Quincy, Massachusetts, Andrew Dwan. How are you doing tonight, Andrew? 
staying loose, getting ready to throw a couple innings for the Sox when they uh, inv- inevitably ask some fans to eat some innings up for them. <laughs> yeah, had to use, what, two position players tonight? Two, two of them and a uh, non-catcher behind the plate, too, to finish it all up. I did not, admittedly, I did not see the end of the game because I was prepping for the show. Was 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 it Bogarts catching or no? No, it was Zue Lin. And he was catching. Was he wearing gear? He was. Okay. I was trying to make out who it was behind the plate at first before they said it, and he was my last guess. I It blew me away. Well, I mean, Plowecki, I know he was the one who uh, closed it out. Couldn't have been throwing much more than 70. It seemed like it. Yeah, yeah. And ironically, position players typically do okay in one inning. I mean, there's not much the hitter can do. You know, they're not used to whatever's about to come at them. And, you know, sometimes they get a lot of fly ball outs. And Oh, yeah, they haven't faced a pitch that slow since high school. So yeah. it definitely throws them off the balance a little bit. It's almost like that last pitch from Henry Rowengardner in, um, you know, rookie of the year. Back in the 90s. <laughs> Absolutely. Well, all right. We'll uh, kick it off with our normal uh, studs and duds format, formerly known as Heroes and Zeros. It might be a little challenging to come up with some studs given the uh, sweep that we just went through, but I think we can find some in there. Uh, Andrew, who is your stud for the series? So mine, I thought mine was pretty easy. It was Jonathan Arauz, who's clearly Remy's favorite player to say at this point. Um, but you can't get a better, you can't have a better series than he did. I think he finished the series seven for his last ten. Um, so for a guy that hadn't had a hit up to this point, to finish seven out of, seven out of ten is just amazing. He was really a bright spot, and he was driving the ball pretty hard too. He had some really good ropes out there, so it wasn't just these little bloopers. Uh, it was really encouraging to see from a guy that you know, rule dra- rule five draft picks aren't exactly uh, you know always studs out there, so they might have found something. Yeah, I mean he had a hit in every game and actually multiple hits in three out of the four games. So that was nice to see because he was 0 for 9, I think, coming into the series or at the tail end of the last series. So, um, you know, definitely nice to see. And Devers had, uh, you know, an ankle problem. So that's kind of what opened the door for him to get some starts in the infield. And he certainly made the most of it and kind of, fought his way into the lineup, even those two starts that Devers did make in games three and four. Uh, Al, your thoughts on Ara Ooze? It was nice to see him get his first big league hit the other night, and he almost essentially won the series opener for the Red Sox. I think he had a big base hit that brought the Red Sox within a run, and, you know, like uh, like Andrew said, you know, he's just he had a hit in every game in the series. Nice to see him find his way into the big leagues and sort of settle in and actually contribute to this dumpster fire of a team <laughs> yeah and based off that line drive that took off peraza's knee i think we might see our for a, uh several games in a row starting at second um starting tomorrow night hey, i'm okay with it <laughs> that'll be fun to watch because you know one of the things that you know the the baseball purists that stick around you know, we'll, we'll be able to see more of guys like him and maybe some other kids that get called up. You know, if, like, like for instance, I don't know if Bobby Dahlbeck will, 
will be one of those guys that that gets a look or not. But we could see some pitchers coming up because <laughs> uh, Fenway's basically been a slaughterhouse for just about everyone they have called up. But we'll we'll get into that in a little bit. Uh, Al, who was your stud for this series? I had Kevin Pillar hit five for fifteen in the series, three thirty three average, had four hits. I believe it was yesterday's game. I'm pretty sure he went four for five. So, anytime you're hitting three thirty three in a given series, you have to be called a stud. I mean, three thirty three is going to get you in the Hall of Fame. Not that Kevin Pillar is a Hall of Famer, but he had a Hall of Fame type series. So, give me Kevin Pillar. Yeah, and you know he's kind of been you know outspoken about the team's you know kind of lack of performance and he goes out there and he's, he's been playing his ass off. So it's nice to see. And, you know, with, with, with Benny going on the DL, you're not going to skip a beat with a guy like Pilar and he's actually been an offensive upgrade. So he's playing very well. He's exceeded my expectations so far, you know, with the team since being signed last winter. Andrew thoughts on, uh, Pilar is a great choice. Um, I was actually a little surprised when the lineup came out today that he wasn't leading off. I thought maybe that would just he that he would have earned a permanent spot there. Uh, not that I'm opposed to Verdugo, but yeah, Pilar's really been setting the table pretty consistent consistently throughout the season. So definitely a bright spot. Um, that you know, I don't think we expected this much offense out of him, but it's a welcome surprise. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, plug your ears, Andrew. I'm gonna I'm gonna say my uh, stud for the series. Uh, I went with Michael Chavis, who was six for fifteen. He had a hit in every game, much like Arauz did. Uh, two of them were multiple hit games, and we're seeing a different guy at the plate now. He still manages to strike out once or twice a game, you know, with swings and misses, but. He doesn't seem completely lost at the plate. He's not an automatic out anymore. And, well, I shouldn't say anymore, but lately he has not been an automatic out. And it's just been nice to see because the more he's able to get in there and face the lefties, the fresher Moreland's going to be on the days that he comes in and plays first. And I just think it's a much better team when when Chavis is swinging a good bat. So I I like to see it. I, I hope it continues. He did see one game at second base as well. That was either Monday or Tuesday. But definitely, uh, you know, he pulled his weight for that series anyway. Al, thoughts on Chavis? <clears throat> Excuse me. I mean, some of the at-bats I saw, I still saw a lot of swings and misses. But you know what? The stats don't lie. 6 for 15, 400 average. When he gets a hold of fastballs, they go, and that's what makes Chavis so exciting. But I think he's still a little bit of ways away from being that consistent hitter that we all want him to be and be a part of that core for the Red Sox in the future. But, hey, he had a good series, so kudos to him. Uh, Andrew, thoughts? Yeah. On, oh, yeah, go I'll, ahead. I'll give it to him. Uh, he definitely was the most deserving of the rest of the candidates, I guess. Um, he... The bat came to life a little bit. Obviously, that throw really sent me off on a tangent the other night. But um, 
I guess we're never going to really be starting in fours defense. So if he can give us 260 every season, I'll be happy and I'll just, I'll eat my words, I guess. <laughs> yeah. And I mean, he's driving the ball pretty good. And it's funny because the, the turning point for him was when Bobby Dahlbeck showed up on the taxi squad in Tampa. So I think all the team has to do is maybe if he does go into a slump, just, order up a bunch of Bobby Dahlbeck masks and have everyone in the dugout wear them and it'll turn right around. That's, that's how I would do it. You know, if I were the manager, so good to see uh, some honorable mentions as well. Uh, Kevin Plowecki is also threatening uh, Ted Williams batting average, uh, currently hitting 474, only 19 at bats, so we're not going to say it's it's legitimate. But statistically, he's uh, almost batting 500, and uh, you know has had several multi-hit games. I'm trying to find him on my score sheet here. He had a, a three-hit game on Monday, and then uh, today on Thursday he had a two-hit game, drove in three. Also was the closer, you know. So. Um, he continues to to make his presence known with the bat. I'm really impressed with his ability to go to the opposite field. If we could only get some of these other guys to do that, you know, Bradley, Ben Intendi, um, you know, some of these guys that are struggling just to kind of flick the ball, you know, in, into the, you know, opposite side. I, I just, we would be a deadly team. And, you know, Ploiecki's been doing that pretty well. Um, J.D. Martinez was 5 for 13, hit a grand slam, also hit a home run in the uh, opening game of the series. So starting to kind of come back to his old self. Also had four walks in the series as well. So just looking much better at the plate. Alex Verdugo uh, was exactly 1 for 4 in all four games. So he had a 250 average for the series. I guess we'll take that. Also worked in a couple of walks. So, uh, you know, quite, I mean, if we only had the pitching, you know, we, we you know, might have contended because we had no offense in the Toronto series, but we ended up winning two out of three. So go figure. It's funny how it flipped, but <laughs> any uh, any thoughts on any of these guys? Yeah, it was definitely nice to see uh, JD show back up. I was getting a little concerning there. He seemed like he was really in a rut. Um, kind of, I was starting to question, you know, maybe he kind of, you know, the fire might be burning out because he's obviously definitely not thrilled with his team. But, yeah, if he's going to start ricking again, that's a, that's definitely a good sign for us. Al, any thoughts on uh, any of the honorable mentions? No, nah, you guys sort of uh... – especially you, Terry, you sort of said everything I wanted to say. So I'm ready to get into the duds because I get the feeling we're going to be on these for a while. <laughs> Probably will. Actually, I did forget Martin Perez, who was uh, very solid again, um, you know, five and two-thirds innings, only gave up three hits, two earned runs, two walks, five strikeouts, has a three thirty-eight average on the year. So, uh, you know, quietly uh, still putting together a very good season. And getting into the duds, which there were a lot of candidates. Uh, Al, who who was your dud for the series? Uh, so it all goes back to Red Sox starting pitching. We said how much of a problem it was going to be, besides Nathan Eovaldi and Martin Perez, a little bit. 
You have to give it to Zach Godley because Zach Godley went three innings, gave up eight earned runs on ten hits and had two walks. Yeah, he did have three strikeouts, but still, you're pitching. First of all, you're not pitching deep into the ball game. Second of all, you're giving up eight runs. You're not giving the Red Sox a chance to win at all, and that's just that is a dud performance as I've ever seen one. So, yeah. Uh, Andrew, thoughts on uh, Zach Godley? Uh, he, he was terrible. Absolutely terrible. And you know he's trying because you can hear him from like Lansdowne Street every time he throws <laughs> a freaking pitch. Yeah, just like the between the grunting and all the bombs he's letting up, uh, I'm good with not seeing him again for a while. Yeah, I mean, if we have a choice, you know we're it's been a slaughterhouse as far as the pitching goes and at this point you just you need bodies and like al said he was absolutely terrible and you needed him to go innings because the bullpen has been just heavily taxed and it's starting to show with some of these relievers that that have been solid i mean well why can't valdez take his spot in the rotation as an opener it's not like godley's giving you more than two innings every time he takes the ball it's not like he's eating five or six he's only giving you two or three innings so i don't know why valdez can't do it um and then maybe bringing godley for one i don't know or, or maybe it's time to switch some things up or here's a crazy idea stop using an opener <laughs> i don't they don't have any starters unfortunately well it, i don't i don't think Godley was even supposed to be an opener. I, I think they thought they were going to get, you know, four or five if they were really lucky, six innings out of him. But I'm just – I just don't know how how many times you can ask the bullpen to, to pitch full games or whatever without, without going to a guy like Godley who you, you just got to hope for the best with. I and I love Valdez, and he looks like he could be a, a two or three inning guy a lot of the times. And you know, he's one of the guys yeah. I, I like to see. So I, I'm, you know, I wouldn't be against him opening. You know, I mean, regardless, it's not like you're saving him for high leverage situations. By the time he gets into the game, it's mop up duty. So I, at this point, it's like you might have your trusted relievers, but how many times are you going to get to use them when Evaldi pitches and that's it? It's it's absurd. Or Perez, yeah. Yeah, I mean, it was the worst-case scenario with him. You know, he only gave you three innings, ten hits, eight runs. You know, there was no value whatsoever. He, We were, I guess, very fortunate that Weber came in and, and pitched six innings of, of one-run ball. Maybe the Rays had kind of checked out by that point because they were already up by eight runs, but... You know, he he made it easier on the bullpen by being able to go that that deep. So, just terrible, you know, performance from from Godley. Anyway, uh, Andrew, go ahead. You're uh, you're dud for the series, or did you? Yeah, you know, it. it I had Devers. Devers, right? It's yeah. Almost depressing at this point. He started off the season terribly in the field, and then he made some really nice plays. You're like, all right, he turned it around. Um, but, yeah, no. Three more errors today. That gives him eight on the season in only, what, 16 games? 18 or eighteen games, I think they've played. And to have eight errors, that it's just unacceptable. I don't know what the solution is at this point, because it's not like he's raking. I 
I don't know if you might have to sit him down for a couple days um, to get his head right, but he definitely seems like that he is really missing Alex Cora and his um, mentorship. I I don't know. I, I I don't know what the answer is at this point. He seems lost. Al, he is, he's so bad defensively. It, it's sickening to watch him boot a routine ground ball or overthrow Mitch Moreland or Chavis or whoever's playing first base. Love him, and I think he's still a vital part of the future, but right now his defense is woof. Yeah, I mean, you might, if you want to give him the benefit of the doubt, you might just say the team just got their ass kicked three times coming into today. Probably weren't locked in. That That's not an excuse. I mean, he's a professional baseball player, has to show up, has to do his job, and, and today... I had to, because it was a day game, I, I was listening to parts of the game. I, I did hear live the, the throw that ended up sailing into right field that Pilar had to, uh, you know, reel back in. But, I mean, what are you going to do? <laughs> they're, they're I gonna, don't know. Yeah. <laughs> they're going to keep him at third I, regardless. Um, he, he was visibly frustrated with himself. So I don't think yeah, it's my concern. Like he, he is beating himself up at this point and obviously deservedly so, but you hate to see this kid just lose his confidence. Um, cause it's again, not like he's making up for it at the plate. So I don't know if this is another, Hey, look, it's Bobby doll back coming to play third. You're coming here, going to move over to first, but then obviously you got to figure out your log jam with Moreland and Chavis. So yeah, kind of having um, JD as your full-time DH limits your options with what he can do uh, in the future going forward with Devers. So um, he really, you know, he has a terrible reputation in the field, but he actually saved the fourth most runs last year um, per baseball savant. So uh Maybe they can work with the fielding coach. Maybe he can work with Beltre again. But, yeah, something he needs to flip a switch, and it has to come soon. Yeah, I mean, Pedroia worked with him a lot last year. I, I don't know if he would, you know, be hanging out with the team at all. Maybe, maybe he could come in as, like, a, a consultant-type role. He's still on the payroll, so. Um, yeah, you know, I wouldn't mind seeing him as a first baseman because he can definitely pick it. It's just like when he makes these crazy picks, he's, you know, I mean, he's going full Chuck Knobloch at this point. You don't know where the damn ball's going to go. Yeah. And even at his best, I mean, one out of every 20 is going to sail or something. You know, he, he, he'll screw up just enough to, you know, continue to, to ha- give you trust issues. Mm. And yeah. So, you know, we'll see. I I can't imagine they're going to make any drastic uh, changes at this point. I mean, you... you, They don't have the bodies. Yeah, exactly. Especially with Peraza banged up now, Xander banged up. (laughs) You definitely, you're running some issues. You're getting a little thin. Yeah, and I don't think Chavis has has played that side since at least double-A, so... Um, I, I think I'd be asking a lot. I, I wouldn't even want to see him try to play over there at this point. He's got no range. Yeah. What about Arauz? Uh, he could probably. I mean, I think he's going to be a super utility guy going forward. 
um, once everyone gets back. So I'm sure he can slide right in. I could. I had his stats up here. I wonder if uh, it shows his minor league fielding stats on baseball reference. But um, I, I mean, is it going to be worse? <laughs> so, you know, yeah. <laughs> might as well try and throw him over there. Christian Vasquez has played there for a few innings, I think. But he has. Yeah, yeah. he's definitely slid into third. He's played some second. Uh, you know, played uh, all over except for shortstop. I wouldn't rule really anything out. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Well, we'll just kind of hope for the best there, and uh, you know, hopefully he he's been struggling at the plate as well. I mean, let's see, he was well, he missed two games because of the the foot problem, and and then was mm-hmm. one for eight. So, um, yeah. So he, he's he's definitely got to turn it around. My okay, so I just oh, go ahead. I got arrows. He has. Uh, He's played a lot of innings at third and short in the minors. So, yeah, you're, you're right. He definitely has some experience. Yeah, yeah. Um, my dud for the series, and I absolutely hate this guy. I did a live stream uh, the day after. Um, I, that was on Tuesday. Just completely bitching about this guy. Jose Peraza. I, we, when we came into the series, I was thinking, okay, we got a good chance to win games one and two because even though we had an opener in game one, we were facing Yarbrough, who we was able to hit pretty good in the previous Tampa series, and then we had Perez going on Tuesday. So I'm thinking, all right, you know, we, we got a chance here. And in game one, Peraza in the third inning – booted a grounder he was kind of in shallow right because there was a lefty at the plate so it was into the shift a pretty easy routine grounder and he boots it and that led to there might have been a runner on first that went to third and then the the runner that booted it um that caught you know that drove it into uh, shallow right, ended up on first. So there were runners on the corners. That ended up being a three-run inning when all was said and done. So Two it, bloopers and a blast, I'm pretty sure. Yeah, something like that. And, and so from that first error, it completely changed the tempo of the game. It was tied 4-4 four to four by the time that inning ended, and – Eventually, the the bullpen just kind of scuffled because Tampa was, you know, pretty pesky at the plate, you know, making contact, a lot of bloopers and opposite field stuff. But, but it just, you know, it it changed the game, and then it got us off to a bad start, and then you know, here we are <laughs> talking about a sweep. So I just I don't like Peraza, and he did have a two hit day today. He does enough at the plate, I guess. Not so much in high leverage situations, but if you're not going to be a, a a great bat, you better have a great glove. And he doesn't have either, and I just don't like the guy. So, Peraza was my dud. I met him at winter weekend. He seemed like a very nice guy. So I'm not going to say too mean of things about him. But, yes, you do have to make that routine play. You know, it's just a case where you're a major leaguer. you got to make that play, and he hasn't really been hitting much of late. So, no, I can see it. Yeah, I didn't expect 
the defense to be this subpar. Um, he wasn't always this bad. I don't know what's going on with him. But if he's going to continue to play this bad in the field, he's going to have to do some more at the plate to justify uh, starting over Aruz when everyone's um, fully healthy. Yeah, and Chavis did see some time at second. So if, you know, Moreland typically will hit the righties, but that that's an option um, at second base as well if Peraza does go on the DL. His x-rays were negative, so I'm not rooting for positive uh, x-rays or, you know, breaks or whatever, um, you know, because I'm not a savage like that. But, jeez, I just – I hope he doesn't come back next year. It's only a one-year deal, and I, I can't stand him. Uh, a couple of other uh, dishonorable mentions. Jackie Bradley, 2 for 15 on the series, just basically doing Jackie Bradley stuff. Vasquez is officially in a slump. He was one for 11 in the last series, one for eight this series. So doesn't have that momentum. He was kind of the driving force behind some of those earlier wins. So hopefully he can kind of find it again. Uh, Out of the bullpen, Marcus Walden uh, gave up six runs today, not even recording an out. He either gave up the tying run or put the Rays ahead in uh, game two of the series. So not not good there for Walden, who was fairly solid in, in uh, a lot of appearances last year. So just going the wrong way. Austin Bryce came into the series with five straight uh, scoreless appearances, but then gave up uh, five earned runs once Perez came out of the game on Tuesday spoiled his uh, nice start so hopefully that's just a blip but he definitely got knocked around pretty good there so any uh any thoughts on uh the dishonorable mentions uh uh you know i when i was watching these games i will say bradley seems like he's gone screwed on a few things um He's definitely hidden to the shift a couple times. Like he's had some really good drives right up the middle. I'm like, oh, good. And then no, but there's a, you know, there's a guy just playing in center field as an infielder for no reason, or some uh, some of those right field hits that you used to see Ortiz get screwed on. So he's been hidden. At least he's been making contact. Um, is the only thing I have to say for Bradley. Yeah. If I keep, uh... go ahead, Al. If I keep talking about these duds, I'm just going to keep getting sadder and sadder than I already am. <laughs> so I got nothing left to say about that. Yeah. We we know you're shocked about Bradley. Oh, uh, yeah. Totally. Yeah, absolutely. All right. So we, uh, we got through that pretty good. Uh, we spent literally an hour on studs and duds in the last show. Um, so got it out of the way in 30 minutes tonight. Um it could be another dud laden series coming up with the Yankees um, judge and Stanton while well, Stanton's out for a month, but judge is like a mystery right now, but I still think they're going to tattoo us, but we'll get to that at the very end of the show. Uh, in this segment, we're going to talk some trade scenarios here. I got a list of players and we'll go through them one by one. And, when I list them off, you guys are going to give the percentage chance that they will actually be traded. 
So we'll start off with one of the more obvious candidates that uh, they're probably already receiving calls for, and that's uh, Nathan Avaldi. So, uh, Andrew, why don't why don't you lead off uh, for this segment? Um, what what are the chances you would say that Avaldi will get dealt sometime within the next two weeks? Um, I would say 20. I think that they'll definitely get calls on him. Um, I'm not too sure how bad ownership actually wants to get. Um, because, you know, at this point, they don't even have a body to replace him. So I don't think they're going to want to be straight up embarrassments. I think that will be the one thing that will keep him on the team uh, is Henry and co saying, hey, listen, we can't lose every game 19 to three. Yeah, actually, let me just add in. I, I should have said this right out of the gates. Um, Sam Kennedy, the president and CEO of uh, the Red Sox, was on WEI today and said that no player uh, is untouchable here. So, I mean, that, that could mean a lot of things. I mean, like a player... They might be asking for the world for one player, which would then, you know, make him untouchable, you know, even even though their rhetoric says otherwise. So um, I, I just should have prefaced this. I'll, I'll add in with the Evaldi thing. I, I kind of see what you're saying, Andrew. <clears throat> you, you also have to kind of look with an eye towards next year. You're not going to have sale back right away, probably closer to the all-star break. And if you want to compete, you might need a guy like Evaldi. So, yeah. you know, we'll we'll see. I, I got more thoughts on him, but let's uh, let's go over to Al, though. W- what percentage uh, would you put on Evaldi being dealt? Right about the same as Andrew. I got 25%. I think he, Evaldi's going to be big for this pitching staff next season. And obviously he's big this season because he's the only capable pitcher that they have. And you know what? If you trade him right now, I think you're only doing a disservice to your pitching staff for next year. So, yeah, I, I don't see him getting traded. Very, very unlikely. If Martin Perez listens to this uh, podcast, he's going to be very offended. Eh, whatever. Because <laughs> he's viable. Yeah, I'm surprised you guys are low. Like I said, I can definitely see them hanging on to Evoldi, but there's a lot of factors here. How motivated are they to shed some money? I, I don't know if they'll shed the full 17. They might have to eat, you know, 5 to $7 million each year on it or something like that. But, you know, it, you know, the just offloading the salary could justify it. Maybe you're going to get a nice return on it. I So I don't know. So my, my percentage chance on it is actually about 60%. I, I feel, oh. yeah, I feel more likely than not with, with 50% being the threshold, more likely than not, I, I feel like he'll end up getting traded um, and they I, are they are getting. I think a big factor would be how they view the free agent pitchers coming up this year, because they they would definitely have to spend to uh, fulfill his spot in there. Yeah, and you know, freeing up some payroll though would would help that. I feel like, um, yeah, and it, it should also be noted that he he was highly sought after in free agency a couple years ago. 
Uh, Rob Bradford used the uh, cliche, everyone and their mother was checking in on um, Voldy's market. And I, I mean, we can, we're not going to sit here and say that that's a good contract with, but with two years left on it, it's now, you know, shorter money. And hmm. yeah, so I, I don't know. I feel like I still feel more likely than not he, he will. And I'll also add in uh, this point, his start, his next start is going to be against the Yankees. I think that's, uh, we'll look it up, you know, in the final segment, but it's on Friday or Saturday that he'll get his start in that series. That's a very high profile start. And I guarantee you a lot of American League teams are going to be tuning in for that, you know, a lot of their executives and whatnot, because he has been a Yankees killer in the past. So, you know, if if he has a, a very good performance, maybe, I don't know, maybe a team like Oakland or Chicago or Cleveland, th- those central teams are actually fairly deep in their rotations, but... But someone that might be playing the Yankees might have some interest in him. So it's, you know, something to something to think about, you know, coming into next week as well. But but I'm I'm I definitely, you know, differ a little bit from where you guys are. So um next on the list I have a feeling these percentages are gonna be very high, but uh, Brandon Workman, so closer, has looked okay this season, maybe even better than okay. Uh, Andrew, what are the odds that that Workman uh, gets dealt? What percentage do you put on it? Um, if they lose these next three games, I'm going to say 100%. Okay. Absolutely will be gone uh, by the 31st. ESPN came out with an article today, and they said that Workman was the hottest commodity on the trade market. And, you know, teams are always looking for a a back-inning reliever. So when you can get a certified closer like Workman, um, uh, yeah, a team always hops on it. I mean, we've seen the Red Sox give up. God knows how many prospects in the last 20 years, um, you know, around the trade deadline just to get some washed closer that, you know, hadn't had a good year and good season in a couple of years. So I think someone will bite. I think someone will overpay maybe like the Padres or something. Um, But I I think he's gone. I think he's good as gone. Al? Yeah, I'm, I'm going to say 80%. I think there's a pretty good shot that Workman's going to be gone. Some team's going to need a closer at the deadline to try to push for a postseason run, and Workman's a really good reliever. I mean, he, he can be a top-notch closer once he has his control figured out. So, yeah, I'm, I'm starting to think Brandon Workman's days as a Red Sox reliever is going to be pretty much over. And you're not – I mean, there's a 0% chance that even if they kept him, they're not going to re-sign him, right? They're, I don't think that's – they're not going to probably want to give him the money that he's going to command on the open market. So I, I really hope they do move him. Well, before I get to mine, I mean, what, what do you think his market would be? And let me pull up Joe Kelly's deal. That's That was a, let's see, three-year – Twenty-seven million dollar deal. So, is it is it above or below that, or right around? Oh, that? I think it's way above because Joe Kelly never Agreed. showed he could close games. I think you're doubling that uh, guaranteed money there. Um, I don't have the highest paid closer 
uh, contracts up in front of me, but it seems like every single year, no matter who it is, um, that guy that hits the market is always getting paid. Well, Chapman is about 17. A year. Well, actually, he opted out and then got an extension. His his initial contract, once coming back from the Cubs, was like it was an $85 million contract. So it was 17 a year for um, five years or so. Um, I, I don't think – see, I'm, I'd be a little surprised. I mean, I, I would put him probably in the Joe Kelly neighborhood. But, I mean – yeah, but you know what? I mean, if he gets traded and he gets on another team and they go deep in the playoffs and he's a stud, then that that's certainly going to increase his value. So, um, you know, so it, it's it could be higher than than I anticipated. But as far as him getting traded, though, I will. Uh, I'll. You guys said eighty and a hundred. I'll say ninety. Yeah. Um, the, the only thing that could keep him back is if they wait too long and he just goes out there and just stinks it up and just turns in some duds. He, his best pitch is his, you know, his curve and that's not always easy to command. And even though last year was a breakout year, there were times where he'd come in and, he would walk the first two guys and then get into a jam and, and you could tell right away if he had it or he didn't have it. So I just hope that when he does get brought in, which hasn't been much because we just got swept, there just hasn't been a lot of, a lot of uh, save opportunities for him, but hopefully he stays sharp because if he is the hottest commodity, like ESPN has reported, you don't you don't want to screw up the potential haul you could get. And let let me ask you this: I mean, what type of of a haul will we get? Is it are we going to get a Glaber Torres out of another team's organization like the Yankees did when they traded Chapman to the Cubs? Or is no, it, okay, no way. <laughs> okay, I didn't think so, but you know, I would hope for a back end top one hundred guy. May I mean I think your best case scenario is someone like from 71 to a hundred um, on the rankings there. I don't think you're going to get much more. I Chapman was just like, you know, he was that namesake uh, value who was just an absolute fireballer. So perception definitely drove up the cost on that one. Yeah. I, I don't know what the, uh, the tigers got for Shane green last year, but um, you know, it, it would probably be something, something similar there, but, but yeah, it'll, it'll be interesting. I, hopefully he's sharp when he comes out. Cause like I said, we, we do want to, we want to maximize our return. He hasn't pitched in probably several days at this point. And so they're going to have to find him some work, even if we're not winning, you know, they're just going to have to get him out there to, you know, try to keep him sharp. So We'll see, but definitely uh, a high likelihood uh, for him to get shipped. Next trade candidate, uh, J.D. Martinez, who has started to come alive, as we said, in the uh, stud section. So probably some calls already getting made on him. Andrew, what are what are the percentage chances he gets dealt? I'm saying 40. Um, I was thinking a little lower earlier, but, you know, I – can see an NL team kind of going for him this year. 
with the you know with them having the DH, and I think that maybe Bloom wants to move on with the uncertainty around his contract. I mean, I personally I wouldn't stick around with this team if I were him, and I'm getting into the twilight of my career, and I might be able to cash in one last time. Uh, so I would at least explore my options if I was him, and I would explore my options if I was Bloom. Um, Al, your thoughts on and your percentage? I'm going actually the complete opposite. I'm going 10% because I think you can convince J.D. Martinez to stay in Boston because you're going to free up a lot of money this offseason, and when you free up that money, you're going to be able to go after legitimate pitching and maybe another piece here and there in the outfield or wherever you need to actually become a contending team once again. And obviously, you know, the Red Sox are going to have to give him, you know, $20 million, you know, right in that neighborhood. So I don't really see a lot of teams that are going to want to do that. So that's another advantage for the Red Sox. And I think personally, and I said this on my other podcast earlier today, if you give up J.D. Martinez, I see it personally as you're just trying to rebuild for the future, not retool, rebuild. And I don't think this team wants to rebuild with a top five payroll in the MLB. But that's just me. I'm shocked because I'm going to say probably 70% chance he gets traded. I think he's going to opt out. I mean, he's got two years left on his original deal, and the money is about $18, million, $19 a year. And I know it's not what he wants, but he could probably take one-year deals after this for around $20 million anyway. And if if he has a, a highly productive year like he did in 2018, you know, he, he might get 25 a year, you know. So I think he's going to, I think he's going to take a chance. He, he's not going to get a low ball offer if he does opt out. And with signs pointing to the national league, still having the DH next year, I think he's going to, I think he's going to test the market. And I think the Red Sox know this. I'll also say that teams are probably going to have a good idea. They're probably going to want to know ahead of time if he is just a rental or if he does, if, if I'm completely wrong and he has no intentions of, of opting out of the last two years, they're going to want to know what the intentions are. And I, I can't see why Martinez or, or Scott Boris would, would be coy about that. So I don't think the Red Sox really have any use for him. And it probably makes sense to hold him, you know, as close to the 31st as possible to see if he does start raking and, you know, hit more home runs and whatnot. And I, I think he wants to be traded. I think he wants to end up on a team in the playoffs so he can even further maximize his value. And I just don't think the Red Sox have an attachment to him. And let's not forget, these didn't have to be option years. Um, And Boris knows that. Remember they found that random thing in uh, his uh, physical that he didn't even know about? And then they were like, well, you know, we don't don't want to give you this much money now. And, you know, they kind of pulled that on him, which I guarantee both him and Boris remember. So, yeah, he could these could have been guaranteed years and he'd have even more value at his 19 million. Yeah, I think I just think he wants to test the market, 
and the Red Sox aren't passionately going to pursue him like they they did for Mookie Betts for a few years. And I know that's you know two different scenarios because one's younger, one's older. But um, but yeah, I, I'm saying probably seventy percent that he gets moved. Any any you guys want to weigh in one more time before we? I'm good. I said all okay. the points I needed to say. Okay. Yeah. All right. I'm just. I was just vastly different, so I didn't know if you wanted to say anything. But all right, next uh, possible candidate. <laughs> this. Uh, I hope this doesn't happen, but um, Xander Bogarts. If all players are tradable and, and nobody's untouchable, I mean, Andrew, what are the chances that? that Bogarts gets dealt. I'm never going to say zero. So I'm just going to go five. Uh, I don't think he's gone. I think they see him as a piece. Um, I do think they'll try to rewrite his contract uh, to avoid any potential opt outs in the future. Uh, I definitely think that he's their face of their franchise at this point, And I don't think they'll be moving him. All right. I'm going to say zero then. They're not trading Bogarts. He's the future of this team along with Rafael Devers. He's seen as a captain pretty much in a lot of players' eyes. He's not getting traded. I will say... I'll say 25%. I I don't think it's... Oh, come come on, Terry. (laughs) I don't think... He's not getting traded. They would have to blow them away. And I don't think anyone's going to be wanting to give up that Lindor package plus some uh, for for Xander. Well, Lindor, I I don't have his situation up in front of me, but he's got one more year after this. He does, and they wanted two top uh, like twenty five prospects, essentially league wide prospects, not organizational. They wanted they wanted everything. They wanted um, you know the Chris Sale deal that the Red Sox gave up right okay um so I just I don't know if Xander's gonna gonna command more than that even though he's got more years on his deal I think let's see what he signed a six-year deal and there's an opt-out in there somewhere I think after the third year but um I just it's interesting because one's a longer-term deal one's a short-term deal and I still think Lindor, even with a shorter deal, would command a bigger a bigger package, especially where his his contract is is cheaper. You know, basically his arbitration uh, years. So I just I I don't know. Twenty five percent isn't great odds, but I think the Red Sox would be intrigued to to listen to offers to to hear what they might be able to get from him. So I, <laughs> that's where I'm at. A- any final thoughts? Yeah, I don't know. I'm not, okay. not going <laughs> to. Okay, I, I'm standing strong on the. Yeah, I, I'd bet the house on him being in uniform at the end of the year. Yeah, I'm, I was just looking for counterpoints, but that's uh, that's totally good. I, I think he's going to be back next year. I'm just I'm just a little bit higher, I guess. Um, next one, kind of a similar situation. Christian Vasquez, uh, Andrew, what are what are your thoughts, or what's your percentage range on him? Um, you know. 
I think they might look at it, especially with Ploiecki, and I'm not saying Ploiecki's the future, uh, producing the way he is right now. So let's, I'm going to say 35%. Again, I think they'd have to be uh, offered a pretty good package. I don't think they're going to be the ones doing the calling on a guy like Vasquez, but, you know, his value is never going to be higher than it is right now. So if a team like the Padres, who definitely need a catcher, Right now, because their guy's not cutting it. Um, hey, let's, uh, you know, they talked plenty of deals in the offseason when it was about Mookie Betts and a little later on with Will Myers. So maybe they can work out a long term or a, a longer deal with someone like maybe Mitch Moreland and uh, Vasquez heading over to San Diego for a uh, nice little haul. Al? <clears throat> Excuse me. I'm going. I'm going five percent. I mean, Vasquez. He's great. He's great defensively. His bat is coming alive. I mean, I know he's in a little bit of a slump lately, but his offensive numbers have been better the past few seasons. I don't see them trading him. My, let me um, just make one more point. So my other reason my percentage is higher is because I think they're going to go after uh, JT in free agency. Um, I think that's a bat they're going to look at heavily, and I think they might make him an offer that he can't refuse because it doesn't look like the Phillies is going to lock him up. Oh, I I don't think that will happen. I just I they've never spent like that on a catcher and we haven't really seen Bloom in a big market, so I, I guess I can't speak for him on you know how he would value a guy like Real Muto, but I think they like Connor Wong and I I just I don't know. Uh, it's interesting, though. I mean, JT Realmuto is definitely the best catcher in the majors. So, um, but my percentage chance, I, I'm I'm higher than you guys on everything, apparently. But I'll say fifty percent. I think oh, there's wow. yeah, there's two years left uh, at roughly thirteen total. So six one year. Uh, seven, seven and a half the last year. And actually the latter of those two years is actually an option. And, you know, Andrew, I mean, you kind of nailed it when you said his value will never be higher. I mean, we were talking on a previous episode this season. Um, It was probably four or five episodes ago. So I'm not sure, you know, who was on with me. But, you know, we basically agreed that offensively, and really defensively, that Vasquez was a top three or four catcher. And that was also at the point where he was kind of raking in those first few series. But he did hit 270-something last year, over 20 home runs. It was an explosive breakout. And I just think I think some teams might be enamored by that. And we are getting a bit of a reminder right now that he can get cold. You know, he was an every other year guy and, you know, maybe it's temporary, but I don't know. And I'm not, I'm not sold on his, on his pitch calling ability. I I harped on that a couple episodes ago. And so I don't know, I don't know how high and bloom feels about it and all the nerds, you know, in the analytics department, but I can definitely see some serious motivation there, and I think they would get at least one, maybe top seven or eight prospect in an organization. So you know, with some sweeteners thrown in, you know, a mid-level guy or whatever. So 
I'm saying 50% on Vasquez. Yeah, I think if they move Vasquez, I'm going to need more like a top five organizational prospect. Um, and I don't think this is a guy that they will be doing the calling for. I think they would answer a call on. I don't think they're actively going to look to move him. I don't think so either. Uh, well, y- you guys could be right. Um, next on the docket, Rafi Devers. Andrew, put a percentage on it. Um Again, I can never say zero, so again, 5%, same with Xander. Uh, Right now, you'd be selling kind of low, and also, you don't have this kind of uh, organizational skill um, anywhere else coming up, uh, especially with his youth. It it would make no sense to move this asset. You have no one that you're blocking prospect-wise with him that you're like, well, whatever, we can bring this kid up. Uh, I'd be very, very angry if they traded Devers at this point, as opposed to try to signing him to some sort of extension. I'm going the same as Andrew. I'm going very, very low, 5%. Again, you know, you're talking about a guy that's going to be a cornerstone of your franchise for years to come. So I don't see them making a move to try to move him anytime soon. All right, I'll stop being the contrarian, and I'll I'll just agree with you guys. Um, I, you know, I'll just say five percent as well. It's it's a very small chance. This is kind of the scenario that I said at the start of this segment, where they're simply going to ask for the world, and very low percentage chance that you know they'll they'll get what they're asking for. And you know, like Andrew, you know, kind of alluded to. I mean, you're, what are the chances one of the guys in the return that you get is going to match his output, you know, or, you know, have similar or higher offensive potential? I just, I don't see it happening. And, and with his kind of defensive woes and inconsistency at the plate maybe that's an opportunity to to sign him to an even lower deal and and get a much more team-friendly deal than you might have expected a month or two ago so i yeah i would be furious if, if they traded him and i i just don't see it happening uh next let's, yeah. oh, go ahead sorry yeah say so let's just let him get one more year back when Cora comes back next year and he gets <laughs> feel comfortable again and goes back to raking. I'll put a percentage on Cora coming back right now. I'll put that one at about 5%. <laughs> I, I don't see it happening, but I, I could be wrong. I mean, if, if ownership wants him bad enough, I don't think Bloom wants him. Let, let me put it that way. But, you know, I, I don't know how much, you know, ownership's going to want to step on his toes to – you know, to bring him back, but, um, but, you know, anyway, um, next is, uh, Kevin Pilar, uh, Andrew, put a, put a percentage on him. Uh, 60%? I'm just kind of, I don't know, throwing a number out there. I, you know, I think they're going to take call or call around for, you know, him and Bradley if this next series goes, Badly, which I think we can all safely assume it probably will. Uh, not to be, you know, 
negative, but I'm just being <laughs> realistic here. Um, I think that there's always going to be some sort of demand for a really good defensive outfielder. And what he's showing at the plate is just, you know, increasing his value. And it's not like financially a team's going to be strapped by, you know, bringing him in. So if someone wants to give you a back-end top 10 prospect, hey, send him on over. Yeah. <clears throat> I totally just blanked for a sec. Say the name one more time. <laughs> Kevin Pilar. Kevin Pilar. Um, that's actually a tough one. Pilar, I'm going to go with, you know what, I'm going to go with 60%. I think that they don't see Pilar as really a long-term option. They just see him as a short-term fix. So, you know what, if his value is that high, then, you know, you try to get something for him and, you know, maybe try to get a prospect. Maybe that's maybe that's a reach, but still try to get something for him. So I'll go 60. Yeah, I mean, I think there's a high probability, you know, 60% sounds good. They're not going to get a huge haul. Maybe maybe they can identify a, a top 20 guy in an organization that might be expendable to said organization and, you know, just kind of roll with it. I mean, he, he could still go on a tear and be averaging 340, and he still is who he is, and... and I just I don't think the Sox have a ton of leverage to to get a, a huge haul anyway. So, um, but I, I think he'll be gone nonetheless. Uh, we got three left. Uh, another one, uh, Mitch Moreland. Andrew, put a percentage on him. Seventy. Um, I do think he's going to be moving uh, as long as he remains healthy. Um, which is a huge caveat because, I mean, we all have seen how brittle he can definitely be. So I think a team will definitely be interested in using him. Um, again, maybe a team like the Padres, and I'm uh, hoping that both teams have been in contact. So I, I, I think he's one of those pieces that you, uh, that is the most likely to be moved on the team. Yeah, I'm going the same as Andrew, literally the exact same. All right, I'll just agree again. Uh, you know, I'll go with seventy. Um, there's a lot to like about him. I mean, he's he's been in a World Series before in 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 a big moment. He's a Gold Glove defender. You know, extremely clutch and definitely uh, a guy who brings good leadership to a team. And I, I think that'll be you know, attractive to some, I don't know what the injury situations are across the league, you know, as far as who, who definitely is a good fit for him. But, um, I, I think somebody will definitely come calling and he'll definitely be moved. Yeah. Uh, and if Chavis continues to hit, he might force the hand, um, you know, to, to dealing him. Yeah. Yeah, he could um, – the Sox have some pieces, definitely, uh, you know, especially with Arauz emerging and the, you know, the flexibility to bring a guy like Dahl back up. So, uh, yeah, absolutely. Um, Jackie Bradley Jr. Um, man, if he hits this week, 80%. Uh, 
If he doesn't, I'm saying it's like 30. I, I'm not even joking. I think this next series will be an enormous um, litmus test for him because, again, it's the same argument for Pilar. There's no long-term commitment for the team that acquires him. Not going to take a lot to get him. And, you know, you can at least throw him in the seventh inning on to if you have a uh, hit-first outfielder and you can replace him. And, you know, he's going to patrol whatever spot in the outfield that you need. So if you can get, like, a maybe, like, an international free agent guy that might have fizzled out or a reclamation project, um, I would like to see him moved. And I think that they'll definitely consider it. 90%. Get him off my team. Thank you. <laughs> I'm surprised you weren't 100%, Al. Um, no, I don't want to be 100% on anything anymore. I think I'll say 70, I guess. Um, I, I think the likelihood is high. He might have to wait until Pilar gets acquired. I mean, Pilar's more a total package. He's going to help you offensively and defensively. So once he gets moved, I, I think Bradley could be maybe a deadline day move to a team that um, puts a high value on defense. So, you know, that, that's what I'll go with with Bradley. Final uh, candidate here, uh, an interesting possibility, um, Martin Perez. Andrew, go ahead. Uh, you know, damn, I didn't actually even think of Perez. Um, I'm going to say zero. I think he's an inning eater for them, and I don't think what the return would get would be enough for them to have to scramble to figure out who's going to replace him in the rotation at this point. I just don't – I don't. I think it would be a lateral move because you would probably be um, getting a guy that probably wouldn't even be on your roster next season. Yeah, he's Perez. I think is going to be another guy similar to Pilar. He's going to be a one and done kind of guy, just a guy that you know fills a need for twenty twenty, but beyond you're not going to need him. So chances he gets moved, I'll go with I'll go sixty five. I'll go sixty five percent. Wow, that's high. I um I'm kind of on the lower end with him, um just because we need to we need to keep someone, and he does have an option for next year. And I just feel like I, you're not going to get a haul, like Andrew said. So, I mean, it's almost pointless to even do it. And, and he doesn't quite have the, you know, the playoff pedigree that Avaldi has, you know, with those brilliant performances in 2018. So hasn't experienced that moment. And I just feel like, I think Evaldi is going to be the more attractive guy, and I, I don't see Perez getting moved. I'll say I'll say ten percent, but yeah, I want to make I want to ask one question though, and um, this kind of goes back to the the Devers and Bogarts thing. If these guys are available, and say they get overwhelmed on at least one of them, and they get moved. To me, that that's going to signify that maybe we're in for a two or three year rebuild. Maybe we're not going to go for it next year. And I don't, I don't disagree. I don't think they are going for it next year. Honestly, I think it's going to be a two or three year real rebuild. The farm system isn't nearly where it needs to be, and 
everything about Bloom, I mean, they would have just hired a different GM if they wanted just to turn this around uh, overnight. I, it's it's frustrating to say that it's going to be a two three year process when you have one of the highest payrolls in baseball and you're expected to be a contender pretty much every year. And when you're not, it's a total disappointment. And especially if they're going to have money next year, I don't know. I I can't see them, you know, rebuilding for the next couple of years. I see them as next year you should make a step toward contention, and then maybe a full, maybe even more of a step in two years. When I mean contending next year, I mean going for a wild card spot and then potentially going for the division in 2022. That's what your goal should be. Yeah, I mean, I, I, I would be surprised if they don't go for it, you know, and I, I, I kind of lean towards that expectation. But at the same time, I mean... I just I don't know what the attitude of the front office is. You know, they've been tone deaf in the past and there's been controversies because of that. Maybe they don't care what the fans think, but I just think, you know, in the back of my mind where we're coming off of a season where no fans have been in, there's been a lot of lost revenue. I just feel like they have to put a competitive team on the field next year because they're not going to they're not going to go acquire a bunch of Matt Halls and and Kyle Hartz and and maybe another Ryan Weber and say, well, this is what we're rolling with and and try to sell us on it. So devil's advocate here, though. But let's say they're straightforward. They say, listen, hey, we don't want to make the same mistakes in the past and sign just a bunch of free agents that we're going to have to pay to take off our payroll anyways. If they were straight up. And fans can go to the games next year. Aren't they going to go to the games anyways because they miss it? I don't think that they need to necessarily be, you know, contenders to sell out that stadium every night. I think people are just going to do it because they're going to want to get out of the house. I mean, you make some good points. Um, and you could be right, but I just... I think this fan base would want to, you know, burn down Fenway Park if if we're basically being told we're not going to be a playoff contender for the third year in a row. Does that mean we finally get a new stadium? <laughs> I hope that never happens. I, I love Fenway. <laughs> but it would be nice to play in a dome and not have to worry about the weather. You know, retractable. Uh, yeah, that's what I meant, yeah. Um, Texas' stadium's really ugly, by the way, the outside of it. Yeah, I know. What were they thinking? But And that one did catch on fire, ironically. Part of it did. And uh, apparently it wasn't a huge deal. But um, that was last year in the construction phase. But all right. So, uh, you know, that was the end of the list. I mean, we're in agreement on, you know, some guys that, you know, there's a high likelihood and hopefully – um, you know, no surprise trades with, you know, the Devers or Bogarts get made, but those could happen in the off season as well. I mean, um, so, but like I said, hopefully not, uh, I guess just to, let's see, where are we? Hour and 10. So let's just spend a few minutes, uh, just on the, the Yankees preview here. Um, do, do, can either of you pull that up real quick? I have the Red Sox uh, half of it right here. I screenshotted uh, a tweet from Mass Live. 
Um, I do know tomorrow will be a bullpen day. Yeah, it's looking like TBD's arm is going to fall off because he's pitching three to the four nights. Uh, let me see the matchup here. The, uh, I think Eovaldi's going Saturday. Perez is going Monday. Uh, Sunday's a bullpen day. Actually, I, I have a non-roster pitcher with a move required, so they're probably going to call someone up for that. I don't know if that'll be uh, maybe Tanner Houck. I doubt it, but um, maybe it could be Maza, actually. His name, he seems to have fallen off the face of the earth. You don't hear him mentioned at all, and he his one appearance he pitched three and two-thirds scoreless, so... Yeah, let me. Yeah, uh, I mean, it's not the worst option in the world. <laughs> yeah, and it was against the Yankees actually that that he put up that, um, you know, that those few innings. So, yeah, hopefully, I I don't know what they're gonna do, but it's definitely gonna be a call up. Well, yeah, we got Garrett Cole tomorrow against the bullpen. So, um, R.I.P. Friday because uh, we're gonna get killed on on that one um and then let's see james paxton against nathan avaldi on saturday i'm picking the red sox for that one i really am i think Avaldi's going to shine and uh paxton's been grossly inconsistent um he was solid in his his uh last time out i forget let's see that was against the Rays, actually, who w- were hitting us very well. So he seemed to figure it out against them. So I, I don't know uh, what he could look like against against us. But, uh, you know, he scuffled the first series. And uh, I just think Evaldi's going to outpitch him. But any thoughts on that? Yeah, you know, they always seem to do decently against him. So um, I think Evaldi... Should probably get us well. At least we'll have our best chance at a W that day. I think the Red Sox are getting swept by the Yankees, plain and simple. <laughs> well, I mean, Saturday, like I said, we got the Pawtucket pitcher to be named later uh, against Jay Happ. Um, you know, that could be a high-scoring game for both teams. Happ's just been absolutely terrible. Basically, having a uh, Rick Porcello, you know, bad year. Um, so, you know, that could be a firefight. And then finally on, uh, Monday we have Martin Perez. So at face value, been playing well. We don't know if they're going to have judge or Stanton, by the way. Um, so, you know, May, Mayhew and Talkman and all them can mangle us, but, um, but yeah, I think we'll win at least one game, but you know, Al thinks I think we have at most. Yeah, one game. Yeah, I think we'll we'll find a way. But yeah, well, all right, guys, uh, good show. We covered a, a ton of content, and uh, we'll uh, see how the the Yankee series goes. Yeah, let's just hope everyone stays healthy, has a good productive series, and then we can trade everyone. <laughs> yep. <laughs> all right <laughs> and literally everyone all right have a good yep. night guys <laughs> take it easy guys episode 206 in the books uh an ugly series in tampa probably in for an ugly one uh against the yankees here uh for a four game set that goes through the weekend ends on monday so we'll uh we'll see how uh 
how the Red Sox fare through that, but take it easy and uh, enjoy uh, these last uh, couple of weeks of summer before whatever the fall has to uh, say. Who knows if school's going to start or the virus is going to go crazy, but you know it's, it's just nice to have sports in some capacity. Take care.